so excited for you to receive a word tonight to be imparted to by one of the great men of God that I have the pleasure of knowing in my life, Pastor Marcus Burkeen. So would you come on up and let's give him a huge round of applause as he does. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay, I think I, I, think I succeeded in turning this on. So uh, can you guys hear me okay? The sound guys are trying to figure out if I'm going to be a yeller or if I'm going to be a low talker. So anyway, I'm really glad that you're here. And uh, the conference that Pastor Matt and, uh, and Katie are talking about is the Gateway Conference. It's at the end of September this year. And I think uh, Matt and Katie are going to pay, uh, if you can get there, they're going to pay for everything else this year. And, and so I would love to shake your hand and get to know you. Isn't that what you said? That's what he said. So I mean, everybody's like, I just put him on the spot. Uh, I didn't put him on the spot. So uh, this is how this, this is, uh, they got to get themselves there and you're paying for tickets to the conference. So it's going to be a great conference, be some, some uh, good preaching and worship there. So anyway, uh, we, would, we would love to get to know you better there. Uh, well, you guys are in the midst of a series on the presence of God. And so uh, I don't expect that this message will be part of that series, but I don't want to distract you from that. So I'm going to feed into what you've been learning about the presence of God and if you brought your Bibles, you can open those to Romans 8 and 2 Corinthians 4. And uh, the Romans 8 passage, we're just going to pull, uh, make one point with one verse in Romans 8. And we'll spend the bulk of our time in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So I want to ask you a question. I don't want you to answer out loud, okay? But I want you to answer just by thinking, how do you know... The presence of God. How do you know? How do you know when God is in the room? And I'm, I'm not talking about if I go to the highest hill, he's there. If I go to the depths of Sheol, God's there. Too. I'm not talking about the omnipresence of God. You guys understand what we're talking about when we address the presence of God. The question that I have is, how do you know? And, and one of the reasons that I'm intrigued by the presence of God is that you could have two people sitting next to each other in church. One of them is really in touch with the presence of God. God is speaking and they're receiving and they're being strengthened in ways that no human could strengthen another human. It's part of what God does. And there's a joy in worshiping the Lord. But what about the person next to them who is scrolling on their phone and on Instagram and completely oblivious to the presence of God? How do you know the presence of God? I've, I've asked seasoned intercessors this question, and here's what some of them have told me. Because, now be careful here, okay? This is a trick question, so, so don't, don't say amen to this, okay? But, but I asked seasoned intercessors, how do you know the presence of God? And they said, I cry. So does that mean if you're not crying, God's not there? 
Is that what that means? Because that's really what they're saying, right? So that can't be true. Can God be there and your emotions not feel it? Absolutely. God, God could be in the house and, and, and I can't feel him. So how do you know? It's a good question. It's a good question. And there, there, there are a number of ways to know. A lot of those are so personal that the way I know may not be the way that you know. I'll, I'll tell you, one of the ways that I know the presence of God is because God lives in a timeless place. And when I'm in the presence of God, I, I lose track of time. I, I stop thinking about time. I may not cry, but, but I look at my watch and go, where did that 30 minutes go? Because where God is, there ain't no time, right? Pardon my West Texas coming out. I'm going to try to tap the brakes on that, but I make no promises about West Texas there. So, but, but you've got to get acquainted with the presence of God for yourself. And it is so important. Do you, do you know that in China where it's illegal to gather like this, that the Spirit of God tells them where to go? There can be no communication. And so all of a sudden, there's a building with five or 600 people in it. You can't worship out loud. You go to jail or worse. So they come together and they worship and they pray. The presence of God is there. And when it's time to leave, they leave. And nobody says this meeting is over. They just know because the Spirit of God says it's time to go. I want to know the presence of God like that. I want to know the presence of God so intimately that I go when he goes and I stay when he stays and I leave when he leaves and I say what he says. Amen. And so that's what you're learning. And the, the scripture is full of this kind of language. One of my concerns for the church is that, is that so much of our faith happens here. My question is, you know, if, if you're here for a couple of hours, well, there's 22 other hours today and, se and, and six other days when you're not here at all. And my concern really for the body of Christ is that we live as practical atheists when we're not here. Does, does that communicate? Does that make sense? Practical atheism says, no, I believe in God. I just don't live like I have any relationship at all with him. I live like, I live like a person who doesn't believe God exists unless I'm with you. And that's really my concern. Because 
encountering the presence of God here is wonderful and necessary. But what are you going to do when you get back home? What happens when you encounter some trouble? What happens when life for you is, is lived into a headwind? There's a storm. There's grief and trouble. Listen, if anybody ever told, to you, told you that Christians don't go through trouble, they lied to you. I would just say, have you read the Bible? I mean, God's favorite people suffered a lot right here in the pages. And so if you're not expecting it, you know, look, look, my glass is half full. I'm not a pessimist, okay? But I'm a realist. And, and what I think God lays out in front of us is a, is a magnificent promise that, that opportunities of, of difficulty are pregnant with holy possibilities. And if we live as though we don't believe God exists, we miss out on all those promises. So how do you live when there's a storm? How do you live? It's a good question. And the presence of God is promised to you then. I'm, I'm so impressed with with uh, David, I was just reading today, First uh, Samuel 30, verse 6, where, where David, everybody turned against him, and it says, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And I'm like, would you talk a little bit more about, that's all it says. I'm like, how did, how did he do that? But I think the New Testament is full of language about how to do that. And I want to open a couple of those to you tonight. Um, you know, John 3.27 says, A person can only receive what is given to them from heaven. And tonight, as we open God's word, there's a gift from heaven, not the sermon, the word of God. And it's imparted to us. Okay? So if you want to receive a word, then let's bow our hearts and ask God to give one. Father God, we open our hearts and our lives to you today. We ask for a holy impartation. God, we confess our immaturity that we are often seduced by things that have no business competing with you. And yet we're distracted. And God, we don't want to be distracted anymore, but part of it's because we really don't believe that you'll move. So God, would you open your promises to us tonight? And would you allow us, God, to receive from heaven in Jesus' mighty name? Amen. I want to talk to you about dealing with difficulty because nobody gets out of it. Nobody gets out of it. Um, you know, if we, were to, if we were to take five or six hours and just 
those of us in this room tonight just sit in a large circle and just, you know, give us, give us what's going on in your life right now. We'd be undone at just, just the challenge that exists in this room right now. I mean, imagine what God carries. I can't imagine. Because just in this room, there's enough to overwhelm each one of us. You know, last, um, a year ago Christmas, my, my father died. Of, he had Alzheimer's and Parkinson's for 11 years. Usually just lived 10. He was a pretty healthy guy in his body. Just lost his mind. And, you know, many of you have faced that before. But, you know, you go see somebody that birthed you and raised you, and he doesn't know you. And it's a special grief. It is. It's a special grief. Last uh, July the 4th, my favorite cousin was on vacation with his wife in Florida. And uh, got pulled under in the undertow and lost his life. Wife's a widow. And our family still grieves over that. But, but you know, I'm, I'm just one, one guy. There's grief. There's, you know, you look at situations and you think to yourself, I don't know what to do. How do I handle that? And, you know, one of the, one of the I think, the strangest things about God in, is that in all of his sovereignty, that he, he rules worlds, and that yet he has given you and I the ability to hold him at bay if we want to. You can stay as far from God as you choose, or you can be as close as you choose. But you have to choose. And listen, as much as you love his presence, he loves yours too. He loves your presence. And yet I think a lot of times because we just don't know how. We live as if there's no God. And it doesn't have to be that way. God mercifully governs our difficulties. And let me, let me be clear about this. Not all our difficulties come from God. But every difficulty is used by God. And that's up to you. Will it be a holy suffering? Or will you just endure? That's really the question that's on the table here. And so God all, uh, often allows difficulty to come because he wants to draw us near and impart some sweet and holy things to us that we would not get any other way. Do you want the goodness? Do you want the sweetness? Draw, draw near... He, and the whole time he's thinking, why won't they come to me? It's either unbelief or we just don't know what's there. And so here's, here's the first thing that I want to say to you. Number one is this. Difficulty can work to our advantage. We think 
that, that every setback is working against us. But you see, God is upside down in a lot of things. He's actually right side up and we're upside down. But what we think should be happening, God is trying to orient us to his life, his world, the way, the way things work in his world. And so we think anytime there's a setback that this could be permanent. But let me just tell you, we, the reason we don't build a house in the train station is because we're not going to be there very long. Well, a challenge is like a train station. Don't build a house there. It's temporary. It's not going to last. But a lot of times we build a house there, we take up residence there, and we start living life from that pain. And it changes everything about our relationships, the way we function, the way we think about God. This is what Romans 8 says. Romans 8, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, let me make sure you understand something. A lot of times we think about suffering in the Bible was persecution. He's not talking about persecution. He's not, he's not talking about suffering for Jesus, he's talking about suffering with Jesus. Let me ask you something. Why do you think it is that when you got saved, God didn't just straight to heaven? Now, some of you think, well, I'm kind of glad he, let, he didn't do that. I like my life. But why didn't, why didn't he just, you get saved and boom, now you're in heaven forever. Because one of the primary differences between heaven and and earth is suffering. And, and, and if you'll let me say this, suffering, suffering can work to our advantage. It can be good for us. Now look, I know that I'm on thin ice here. And I don't know what, what you in this room are going through. I know what I'm going through. And, and, you know, human beings would say, well, okay, let me hear them all. Okay, this one's the worst, and this one's probably the easiest. Well, it's pretty easy to say if it's not your suffering, you know. Tell so you, well, that, that's easy. Well, it's not yours. It hurts. It's difficult. You lose sleep. You wake up at 4 o'clock, and you're thinking about it again, trying to strategize your way out. And it could be anything from sickness to grief to, you know, I had to fix my transmission and it cost me $3,500 and I had to put that on a credit card and now I'm paying it out. Well, that's its own kind of challenge right there, right? So I don't, I'm not sure you can weigh and I'm not sure that the Bible does that, but these challenges come in all assortments of sizes and shapes. And, and one of the things that, that the Bible says to us 
is that in that suffering, God reveals his glory in us. Now, how's that for a promise? How's that for a promise? If you've ever prayed, God, work your glory through me. Batten down the hatches. It's a good prayer. But according to Romans 8.18, it's in suffering where the glory of God is revealed in us. It's the way it, the way it works a lot of times. And, and, and here's the promise from God. Every time you suffer, that's on the table. All right? So turn over to 2 Corinthians 4. And Paul's going to go into a little bit more detail about how it all works. And what I want us to do is go through three verses of 2 Corinthians 4. We're going to begin in, in verse 16, and it begins with the word, therefore. Now listen, anytime you see the word, therefore, in the Bible, you have to look and see what it's very good. So if you want to know what it's there for, we're going to back up to verse 13. Okay? It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, and yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So I want you to look with me right quick at verse 17. For or because our light and momentary troubles are doing something. Some of your Bibles say preparing. The NIV uses the word achieving. It's, it's, there, there's something at work inside of you. Now, I tend to be a little bit of an analyst, and I'm like, well, I want to see the physiology of this. I want to see the biology. I want to chart and graph this. And God doesn't give us that. But here's what he says. If you know how to do it, if you know how to walk through suffering, there's going to be something going on inside of you that has an eternal quality to it. Now listen, when he says light and momentary, don't be, uh, don't be disrespected by that because... Because our tendency would be to say, hey, Paul, I'm a couple of years into this. That, that ain't a moment. All right? That's, that's too long. 
And Paul would say, um, where are you going to be in 400 years? Because you're still going to be alive. First Corinthians 3, when it talks about reward in heaven, listen, your experience in heaven will largely, not your salvation, your salvation is by the blood of Jesus Christ only, okay? But your experience in heaven will largely be determined by the way that you handle suffering on the earth. That's 1 Corinthians 3.15. Okay? If you, if you build with wood, hay, and stubble, it, you get, it get, gets burned, and you pass through the fire with your britches smoking. All right? Now, that's the Marcus translation of 1 Corinthians 3.15. Here we go. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, and, but yet will be saved, even though... Only as one escaping through the flames. So his britches are smoking, but whoo! But if you build, or he goes on to say, with, with marble and stone, and it might have been right before, the verse before that. I was just reading that this afternoon, and I, and I didn't memorize the verses there. Um, but you can build with costly stones, come through a flame, not singed. But where, what, what will be happening with you in 400 years is largely determined by the way you handle suffering while you're on the earth. And that's how the glory is revealed in us, Romans 8.18. That when we suffer, there's glory revealed. Are you suffering through it like a practical atheist or... You're strengthening yourself in the Lord. That's really the pregnant question. So not only is your suffering momentary, it's meaningful. It, 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 it does something. And, and so many times when something bad happens, somebody will say, it's just meaningless. I had that thought when my, when my cousin died in Florida. Really? The undertow and he drowned? Are you kidding me? It's meaningless. And yet I open God's word and I'm praying and weeping for my cousin and the grief in my family. The Lord goes, wasn't meaningless. Wasn't meaningless. So the Lord met us there. And, and he's, he's not saying, it's just light and momentary. Get over it. You know, that's almost how you could read this text, that, that, that the Lord is saying, you call that suffering? It's light and momentary. It's not what he's saying here. Okay? God honors you. Here's what he is saying. That in comparison to eternity, your suffering 
will last this long. It's over. That's it. Part of us wants to say, really, God, two years? Two years on? No end in sight? God goes, lean in. Because, because the sweetness of God is waiting to be released for those who come to him. All the goodness of God, the, the storehouses of, of wisdom and revelation, and God's like, come to me. I want you to think about, about the, how profound of an offer this is. Because the one who created all things, I, sometimes I just imagine, I imagine God, what would it be like to go hover over the Atlantic during a storm and there's 100 foot surges and God goes, that is so cool, look at this. And when he was creating all of this, Job says that the angels sang during creation. You almost got, you can hear God going, oh, this is going to be good. Hey, can we get some music going? Come on, you guys, come on. And then here's the morning. And the angels sang, and he's like, is that cool or what? Look at that. That is awesome. And you think about all the textures. There's a, a, a porcupine and the bark on a tree and a the, the clouds and the mist and the rain and the thunder and the lightning and the tornadoes. You guys get tornadoes? All right. We get some tornadoes in Texas. All right. And we run, you know. Bat, you know, get in the cellar or run for your life, you know. But it's all that to God is. And, and the one who, who, who owns and creates all that says to you and me, hey, if you're suffering, come here. I want to give you something. I've got gifts for you. And we wake up and shower and go to work and think, God, how long is this going to last? And he's like, I'd love to visit with you about that. Let's talk. And we just keep, you know, it's just endurance. Endurance. And God's like, it doesn't have to be that way. Come to me. Come on, but there's, there's, there's richness and wealth here for you. Bottled up. It's, it's bursting over. Come here. And we just endure. And I think it's just because... We just don't know how. So here's the third thing. And this is what he goes into here in verse 18, is fixing our eyes on Jesus. Did I say the second thing? I said the second thing, didn't I? Did I not? The second thing was balance what is light and what, with what is eternal. There we go. Did I say that or not? I didn't say that. Man, I just preached right on through my sermon without making my point. 
you know, somebody, one of my, when I was in seminary, somebody asked my professor, how many points should a sermon have? And he said, at least one, brother, at least one. <laughs> now, that's good advice right there. So, do I have three? I just gave you two. So, here's the third one. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. So, this is what he says in verse 18. And so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. And this is the secret. While your body is wasting away and your, your troubles are present, how do you handle that? Now, if, if you've been at this a while, this is not revelation to you. But if you, if you either, or if you're here and you don't believe in Jesus, or you're a new believer in Jesus, you need to understand that there, there's a secret here. And it's not made known to the masses. It's made known to the people who read the Bible. And the people who believe the Bible, when they read it, are, are caught up into promises that are rich with gifts from heaven. Listen, Jesus Christ is the kindest person you'll ever meet. If you don't know him, oh. Let me tell you about Jesus. He's the kindest person you'll ever meet. He's got a great sense of humor. Extremely intelligent. He sticks closer than a brother. He's the friend who sticks closer than a brother. And if you don't know him, you're missing out. He's inviting you to come right now. And when you come, these are the promises that now belong to you. Secrets nobody else knows, but imparted straight from God. And part of it is that we fix our eyes on Jesus. Now you may say, well, how does one do that? Well, so there's some commonalities to that. They're going to be true for me, and they're going to be true for you, and they're going to be true for everybody. But there, there are some ways that God will teach you to fix your eyes on Jesus too. But, but most of it is, I'm going to open the scripture, and I'm going to read as though I believe it. Does that make sense? And I'm going to pray not to say my prayers, but to lay hold on God. And God loves to be laid hold of. He loves that. I'm not just going to work my way through my prayer list. I'm going to touch heaven. I'm going to touch God. And every day when you wake up at 4 a.m. and you're thinking about whatever that thing is, listen, your Lord is whatever you filter all your decisions through. That's your Lord. It may or may not be Jesus. And if you wake up at 4 a.m. 
and your problem is what you're filtering all your decisions through, you've now made an idol out of that thing. You talk about building a house in the train station. What are you going to replace that idol with when it's over? And so when that, when that problem says, I'm still here, you say, Jesus, thank you for doing something beautiful inside of me. I pray you give me somebody today to impart hope to. And you'll find yourself standing in line at the post office and somebody's complaining about something and you say, man, I hate that you're going through that. Man, I went through something bad myself recently and what Jesus has been so good to me. And they're like, who are you? I've never met anybody like you before. Yeah, that's probably true. It's because of him, not you, by the way. But but the way you fix your don't fix your eyes on your problem. We fix our eyes on Jesus. Meaning you got to keep <laughs> you, you you cars run out of gas. You know, you bought that dream car, sold it 10 years later for 1500 bucks. Stuff wears out. You can't live today on yesterday's revelation. You've got to gather that manna every day. So we, we really do become like what we feed on. And I got to tell you, I just, I can't, can't read the news. I can't, I don't watch news anymore. And the reason why is because when I start watching the news, I start getting fearful. I get afraid. That's a spirit. According to the Bible, fear is a spirit. I don't want that. And what I'm told is that the solution to my fear is the government. And I really go, I really don't. Now, now I'm an atheist when it comes to that, okay? Because I don't believe that. But I, we, we become like what we feed on. And if I feed on news, I become fearful. So I've got to feed on manna. I need, I need some every day. And here's what God says. You remember this from the story. He goes, he goes okay, here's the way it's going to work. Every day, come gather as much as you need. I'll give you some more tomorrow. And that was given as an example to teach us how to feed on God's word. And, and you know, the, the, the Hebrew word manna means what is it? They were like, what's that? That's what they were like, manna. That's what that means. But it was, you know what it was? It was a little like a frosted flake. I'm like, they're great. I <laughs> yes, I like that. You know, there's nourishment and there's some sugar on. Whoo, I want to taste some of that in heaven, you know. But there was enough there to, to, to nourish for today. You don't need to gather for tomorrow. Well, but I'm going to be hungry tomorrow. Come gather some more. So we try to live off of yesterday's. And in the Bible, that's called fasting. 
don't, don't, don't fast your manna, okay? Fast food, don't fast your manna, all right? Well, let's pray. God, we love your presence. We love your presence. And God, we want you to teach us how to discern and press into your presence and how to, how to know your nearness, God. Whether we're at church or at home or, or in the bank line, the grocery store, God, dropping our kids off at school, we want to know your nearness and your presence. And God, we know that by faith, it's, it's available to us. And sometimes we watch you pull down and dismantle things that you're finished with, that we're not finished with yet. Small comforts of life and stuff that we get attached to, way too attached to. And God, we don't like when you do that, but even more, we dislike being double-minded. And so God, our hearts need to re be repositioned. And so, God, wean us from shallow hopes. Draw us near to you, God. Impart to us the promises of heaven that are goodness and wisdom and loving and merciful. That we know that we're not alone, but that you're with us. God, we love you. We really do love you. We look at you often as though so mysterious we don't even know where to begin but God we know that you're near to the broken hearted so I pray especially tonight for my brothers and sisters who suffer those facing grief and challenge and they don't know what to do God we pray that you'll meet them even in the midnight hours and that you'll impart wisdom that you'll tell them about the future that you'll set dates God that you'll impart wisdom and hope into their heart. That there is great possibility, even while they suffer. We thank you for your nearness to us, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, I just feel like after a message like that, there's got to be people here who are compelled to lean in, to move closer to God. Say, God, help me do something with this that I'm going through right now. If you're here tonight, say, boy, this word spoke to me. No doubt about it. Spirit of God was all over me, moving nudging me. I want to give you an opportunity to just be prayed for tonight before you go, to be ministered to, to be encouraged. Just quickly, if our prayer team could come down here, if our pastors who are here could come down, we just want to give you an opportunity to receive prayer. Here you say, I, I want that, I need that, I don't want to go out of here tonight without sharing 
something I'm going through with my church family, our pastors, people who love you and care about you. At this time, just go ahead. You can step out. You can come down. It's like you know that if you don't come down now, you're kind of disobeying what God's telling you. Hey, get down there. Get prayer. Please don't leave without being ministered to, being encouraged. For the rest of us, let's just stand to our feet. For a moment before we go, can we just worship and praise God? Just declare His goodness in the midst of anything and everything that you may be going through. God loves you. And He knows everything that's happening and in your heart right now. Nothing is hidden from you. Come down, receive prayer. Let's just worship. More than God speak to us. How many people feel like God encouraged you? He imparted to you tonight. You're going out of here filled up, more full than you were when you came in. Amen. May you go in the peace and favor of God. May his goodness just be all over you. May he be gracious to you. May his face shine upon you. And may he give you peace.